0: Uh, Mark has asked me to read from Luke 15, verses 11 to 32, and I'm reading from the NIV. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, look. Katie, that sir. Are
1: you on there? on. That'll be the clue. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much for having me here. It's been my privilege to work alongside Chris and Katie for a number of years, and I have seen. In them both, such humility and a desire to see Jesus center stage. It's been an absolute joy, and I'm so delighted, so delighted that Chris is taking over as Director of the Christian Union's Ireland. And thank you for your support for them both, for standing with them, for encouraging them and praying for them, not just today, but as the days, weeks, years go by. And it's a privilege, too, to be at a a church called House. And actually, when we started, before the band started, before we started singing, there was a Welcome Home uh, banner, wasn't there, on the screen behind and I wonder what springs to your mind when you think of the word home, because a home is more than just a house, isn't it? Chris and Katie work with students, and for students, a home is a place where the central heating is always on, and clothes get washed almost overnight, and the bins aren't overflowing. It's almost magical what home is. I remember as a student coming home, and the fridge was almost overflowing and the amazing thing was that you would open it and you would eat stuff, and the next day there would be more stuff in there. It was like something from Hogwarts. It was just great. But, of course, a home is more than just that, and a home is more than just a house, isn't it? A home is a place of belonging, of being yourself, of, of relationships, of, of the place where you don't have to make up, You don't have to wear a mask. And a home is the place where you kick off your shoes and, and you find a haven, a place of peace and joy and, and, and belonging, where you're just you. You just you, Warts and all. And sure, I know home is not always perfect, but but at its best a home is a place of spreading goodness, where, where family and visitors alike find a refuge, a place of joy and peace, and where they can flourish. And the story that Katie read for us from Luke chapter 15 is a story about coming home. It's about two boys who leave home and about coming home. And if you have a Bible or if you have it on your phones, and um, you can keep that open at Luke 15 just to see that what I'm saying is from the Bible, not something I'm making up. But the story starts like this. It starts with a younger son who goes to his dad and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. He doesn't actually say that, of course, but he says, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. And when do you get an inheritance? You get an inheritance when the person has died, don't you? That's when the will is read. And this younger son, younger son says, effectively, I wish you were dead. I, I don't want you. I just want your stuff. So give me what I'm going to get when you're six feet under. And the father does. And, and the young son flies off first class to Ibiza or New York or L.A. Or, and he does what he likes. He lives hard. He plays hard. He splashes the cash until, until it all runs out. And at that point, so do his so-called friends. And he he finds himself in the pits. He finds himself feeding pigs, which is hardly a kosher thing for a young Jewish boy to do. And he's starving. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And at his lowest point, he realizes that, that even my father's employees are better off than I am. And he comes to his senses and he says, verse 18, I will go back to my father and say, father, I have sinned. I've messed up against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, he's thinking, I'm a slave in this pigsty. I might as well be a slave back home. I've messed up. Too bad to be a son back home, but even a slave back home is better than a slave out here. And so he gets up. He's got no bag to pack. He's only got the shirt on his back. And he leaves the pigs and begins the long walk home. And you can maybe picture him now a little bit older, a little bit wiser. He'd flown out first class, the world at his feet. He's trudging back barefoot, smelling of pig muck. And he's practicing his speech under his breath, Father, I've sinned. I've messed up against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then Jesus tells one of the most amazing verses in the whole Bible. This father had sold his farm for this boy. This boy had wanted his father dead. But verse 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son starts his speech. Father, I've sinned. I've messed up against heaven and against you. But the father's running towards him to embrace him. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father interrupts him, bring the robe, bring some clothes, bring a ring for his finger, bring him shoes for his feet. The son doesn't even get to finish his speech. He doesn't get to the bit about the hired servant. He doesn't get to ask to be a slave because his father interrupts him and says, kill the fatted calf, we're having a party. Cancel the pot noodle, we're having steak. This my son was dead but is alive again. He was lost but he's found. And he wraps his arms around his son. Is that what you think God is like? Is that how you imagine God would behave? Because let me tell you a different version of this story. We know that there was a very similar story that was told by the rabbis, by the teachers of Jesus' day. And and perhaps when Jesus began his story, perhaps when you first heard the reading to this morning, you thought, I've heard this one before, I know how this one ends. Because in the rabbi's story, there was also a son who wanted an inheritance. There was also a son who went away from home. And he loses all his father's money. He he comes to set his senses. He says much the same thing. He's going to come home and say, Father, I've sinned. I've messed up. I'm sorry. Please take me back as a hired servant. And the father explodes. You're dead right, my boy. You've messed up. You've got a lot of learning to do. You will come home. You will come home as a hired servant until you've learned your lesson. That's the rabbi's story. But in Jesus' story, he doesn't whack the son. In Jesus' story, the father doesn't show justice. He doesn't give the boy what he deserves. That's the rabbi's story. In Jesus' story, he gives the son what he does not deserve. And in Jesus' story, there's no, I told you so. There's love and welcome and a log fire and a party. And this is the greatest day for the father because at the first glimpse of his son's return, he runs towards him to welcome him and to love him. And this father does not give his son what he deserves. He gives his son what he does not deserve, which is what the Bible calls grace. Is that what you think God is like? I think most of us instinctively our default setting when we wake up in the mornings to think that God is like the rabbi's god. We think we think God says to us you were a sinner. In fact, you are a sinner. You were a slave who messed up. You still mess up. You're a slave who ran away. But now, and this is Christianity. Now, now I will make you a forgiven slave. I will make you a good slave. By my grace, I will help you to try harder. I will help you to work harder. You know, you were a bad slave, I will make you a good slave. By my grace, you might one day even learn to enjoy slavery. Is that what you think God wants? You do stuff for God and so He rewards you? You do stuff so that He likes you? Perhaps even loves you? Is that what you think God is like? And this is so key, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this morning if you've never heard of Jesus before. It doesn't matter this morning if you've been going to church all your life. Unless you see who God really is, you'll relate to him completely wrongly. Unless you see God as Jesus describes him, you've got the wrong picture. You've got the wrong God, and you'll relate to him wrongly. And let me just say that if you think God is like the rabbi's God, then I'm with you. I would run a mile too. But what Jesus is saying is, this is what God is like. God is a father who is warm and loving and runs towards you and sweeps you off your feet. And your relationship with him, even this morning, is, is not dependent on being good, or having not messed up, or having done the right things. Because remember, in this story, the the younger son has messed up. The younger son has not done the right stuff. The younger son has said that he wanted his father dead. But the younger son is not treated as he deserves. What he deserves is justice, and what he gets is kindness. He doesn't get what he deserves. He gets what he does not deserve, which is what the Bible calls grace. Is that what you think God is like? Because most religions in the world don't think that is what God is like. Most religions in the world think that God is a God that you first do stuff for and then he rewards you. And a religion is where you sacrifice a goat or you pray a certain number of times or you go to church twice on a Sunday. And in return, a grateful God gives you you health or wealth or paradise. In other words, religion is where you get what you pay for It's like working for a boss. You do your stuff, you get your salary. And many people think Christianity is like that. You do stuff for God, so God does stuff for you. You know, first you keep the commandments, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And then God loves you and repays you. First you go to church, then God looks out for you. You do stuff for God, so God does stuff for you. He helps you through your exams. He fixes your mental health. He looks after your children. He finds you a husband. You do stuff for God, then God stuff, does stuff for you. Is that what you think God is like, that you get what you pay for? And if you're here perhaps for the first time, and if you wouldn't yet say that you know Jesus, let me apologize that we as Christians have often given the impression that God is like that. We've often given the impression that God is a God you slave for. You have to give up everything fun for. You have to give up all your freedom. God is the great headmaster in the sky. You have to obey him. Being a Christian is a miserable thing, but hey, that's the deal. That's how you get into paradise or heaven or whatever it is. But that is not the God of the Bible. And unless you see who God really is, you'll relate to him completely wrongly because God only has children. He doesn't have slaves repeat that, that God is a father who only has children. He doesn't have slaves. He doesn't even have employees. And children cannot earn love. God is a father, and God always relates to you as a child out of love. And you can never earn love. You can only accept it. Imagine uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, because certainly for students, for student campuses, for student unions, Valentine's Day is a very big deal. It's a very big party. And so suppose it's February, and suppose in February uh, a girl spots a guy across a crowded church or auditorium, and their eyes meet, and the girl's heart skips a beat, and she goes up to the guy and says, look, if you send me a Valentine's card this year, I will make you hot meals for a whole week. So what will happen? The guy thinks, remember the guy's a student, the guy thinks, what, hot food, <laughs> food, not just hot food, but food for a week, wow, for two pounds, Tesco card. Boom. And so she gets her card and he gets her hot meal. Sorry, he gets his hot meals. But here's the question. Does the girl get what she asked for? I could ask for a show of hands at this point. Does the girl get what she asks for? And I bet you that the guys would raise their hands and say, yeah, yeah, she got what she asked for. And the girls would say, no, she got what she asked for, but not what she wanted, which is why men and women will never understand each other. But but here's the question. Does she get what she wants, what she really, really wants? No. She got what she asked for, but not what she really wanted, because you cannot earn love. It has to be given freely. And the son in this story cannot earn love. But the father loves his younger son, despite the younger son not loving his father. And at the first first sign of the son turning back towards the father, the father runs towards him. Because Jesus is saying, God is a father who only has children. He doesn't have slaves. And he runs towards you in love. That's what God is like. He doesn't want employees. He loves lost daughters and sons. And you can never earn love. You can only accept it. And unless you see who God really is, you'll relate to him completely wrongly. Now, I think Jesus could have stopped the story there, but he doesn't. And you might remember that as he, as the father, hugs the younger son, there is another son. There's another son in this story. And the older brother from verse 25 has been out in the fields, he's been working hard. And so, verse 25 the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And then someone tells him, verse 27, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. And the older brother is livid. He's seething. He refuses to go into the house, into the party. And so the father has to come out and meet him and says, come on in, give your wee brother a hug. But the older brother explodes in verse 29 and says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Who speaks like that? The next slide. I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Who speaks like that? Are those the words of a son? Those are not the words of a son. Those are the words of a hired servant. See what the older brother gets wrong? The older brother sees his father as his boss, not as his father. I've worked all my life to earn what you're giving away so freely, and I hate that. And he resents his father. And he resents his father's love. He resents his father's kindness. And what does he get wrong? He doesn't see his father as his father, and so he relates to him completely wrongly. In other words, the older brother had never left home on the outside, but he's a million miles from home in here, isn't he? I reckon if he'd been around in 2023, he'd have been a great churchgoer. He would have maybe led a DC at at, at house. He would have been on the coffee rota. He might even have been a director of CUI. He'd have kept all the rules. He'd have colored inside the lines, but he hasn't seen who God really is, and so he relates to him completely wrongly and you can be a younger brother or an older brother and still get God wrong. Your life can be a mess or it can be very, very neat and you can still get God wrong. You might be paying for prostitutes or singing in the band and still get God wrong. You might never leave home but be a million miles from home in here. And this morning you may be running from a slave master God or you may be dutifully serving a slave master God, but either way, You've got the wrong God. And unless you get who God really is, you'll relate to him completely wrongly because God is a father who only has children and doesn't have slaves. And Jesus is saying you cannot earn love. You can only accept God's love. And God is a father who is always kind to people who don't deserve it. Because... because. Because no one deserves this love. No one deserves this kindness. But this is what God is like. God gives to us what we don't deserve, which is what the Bible calls grace. And of course, if you want to see how much God really loves you, the biographies of Jesus' life show you how much he loves you. And the rest of Luke's account of Jesus' life show very graphically how much Jesus loves you. And if you get to the end of the story, it's a spoiler alert here, you discover that for the father to embrace you meant his own son Jesus had to die on a cross, had to die in your place. In other words, for you to come home meant Jesus had to leave his home and die. Now, I have three children, and I love them dearly and say one of them is in danger say that there's a a drunk driver hurtling towards one of my children and towards you and I can only save one of you, well I'm sorry but you're on your own because I love my children and I'm going to save them, I'm a father but here's how much the father loves you he chose to save you at the cost of his son and Jesus left his home so that you could come home and of course what the younger son did was wrong and he deserved punishment and what the older son did did was wrong and he deserved punishment how they both related to their father was wrong and you and I treat God wrongly and what we've done is wrong and we deserve punishment we have messed up there is no reason for the father to welcome us that is we stink worse than pig muck but Jesus took your place took all your mess all your mess The father took what you deserved and put it on his own son, the punishment on his own son. And Jesus took your place so that you could take his. And that is how the father can embrace younger sons and older sons, you and me, because Jesus took your place on the cross. And Jesus left his home so that you could come home. And of course, Jesus will later say, this is why I came. I came to die instead of you. And I, my father, are doing this together. I will give my life so that you can live. You are so far from home that God himself will have to die for you. But you are so loved that God himself would choose to die for you. Because Jesus loves you so much that he would rather die than be at home with his father without you. And Jesus left his home so that you could come home to be with him. You see, you can be an older son or a younger son and still get God wrong. You can be running from God, from a slave master God. You can be serving a slave master God, but either way, you've got God wrong. And if you get God wrong, you relate to him completely wrongly because God only has children. He doesn't have slaves because God is a father. And so the only question is, will you come home to him In the middle of this story, the younger son has to decide, I will go home and go to my father. He had to decide, I will stop running. I need to turn around, I need to go home, and that took guts. That famous philosopher, Elton John, once said, sorry is the hardest word. And to come home is to be honest enough to say, Like the younger son, my life isn't working. I'm not working. This isn't working. I can't fix myself. I'm tired of running. I need to come home. I need to say, sorry, I've messed up. I need to say, help. And it's not just younger sons who need to say that. Older sons need to say sorry, too. I'm I'm guessing most of us, perhaps, are older sons, like me. And I I need to say sorry every day, that, that I get God wrong every day. And, of course this story ends on a cliffhanger because the older son, we don't know what his answer's gonna be. We don't know if he's gonna stay outside in the cold, in the rain, in a huff. Will he say sorry for getting his father wrong? Will he come into the warmth? We don't know because the story ends on a cliffhanger. But the key is this morning, your story isn't finished. And you get to write the next sentence. So what will you do this morning? Because God is a loving father. And God only has children. He doesn't have employees or slaves. And you cannot earn his love. You can only accept it. And he stands with arms open wide. Will you come home to him this morning? Let me pray for us. Father, we're sorry, I'm sorry that... I am an older son, I'm guessing many of us here are older sons, and and we find this hard. Because on the outside we try to look very sorted, but in our hearts we just don't get how kind you are. And we find it hard to admit that even this morning we smell of pig muck. But we pray, please draw our hearts to see who you truly are, to see how how loved we are so that we would run home to you. To see how loved we are that, that we would love you in return. And so we pray, bring us, bring us closer to Jesus. Make us more like Jesus as we walk closer with Jesus. Because we ask in the name of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Amen.